Hello and welcome to this episode of the ESG Fitness Podcast, where we have a Q and A episode with the incredible Shona Strong. <laughs> I always find it weird calling people by their Instagram handles, but anyway, we cover on many, many things on this, and in fact, you know, you can just listen to find out what we cover, and hopefully, you enjoy it. So here you go. Hi. Not yet. Now. <laughs> Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the live with ESG Fitness and Shona Strong. Oh, that was a great intro. Thank you. You're so welcome. How are you? That sounded really sarcastic. Like, oh my god, how are you? I don't actually care, but I, I just thought it was polite to say. <laughs> how are you? So I'm great. <laughs> how are you? I'm great, by the way. Thanks. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm solid. Good. Um, so something that's been on my mind this week, um, like in the last couple of weeks, like people have been asking me how I'm getting on with Cormac and stuff. And genuinely, I feel like we have won a watch for this one. He is the most chilled baby ever. He hardly ever cries. Um, he just is like happy. I mean, just a little happy dude. And uh, I've had this conversation like five or six times and every time people have been like, well, you're a really chilled out person. And I'm like, <laughs> no, I'm not. Do you know me? Like, I do not see myself as chilled out in the slightest. I always think I'm quite a highly strung person. But then by the time I got to conversation five, I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to take that. I am a chilled out person. And I instantly felt more chilled out. And it's really funny how, like, you are perceived versus how you perceive yourself. Okay, there's two things here. One, I actually think you are quite chilled out, but you're mm-hmm. also very passionate about certain things, which is what I love about you. But two, do you think there might be an element of like just being nice? Like you you wouldn't be like, yeah, it's so strange that he's so chilled out because you're mega stressed all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. It could the be that. The people that have said it are the sort of people who are unafraid to like say it how it is with me so yeah you're right there could be an element of that because like they know me in like certain contexts like as a coach or as a yoga teacher so yeah of course like I'm portraying this very chilled out got my shit together vibe um but you do have your shit together yeah you're right you're right um so I think just like at that moment I decided do you know what like I'm quite chilled out like yeah I'm a chilled out person it's just like in in different circumstances you're right like I do I can get passionate about stuff like there's stuff that I feel really strongly about but generally like I'm a happy person who just like enjoys life and I think that's like what I've created what did you think about the EIQ live where Amelia was talking about that book that she was reading and they were saying that one theory is that a lot of trans people are actually just gay. Did right. you get to that part I of the life? All oh, right, okay. So can you, can basically, you Amelia sorry, was reading this book, which sounds really interesting, and I guess like it's similar. It's a hard like balance in my head as well because, on the one side, I'm really sciencey and I love science, but also I would say I'm quite like liberal and you know, if people want to be trans, great, I support that. If people want to be gay, great, I support that. But this book was sort of pointing out some of the flaws that, that or the, some of the problems that would come up if we sort of took away gender completely and we were all just right. 
really fluid. So one of the theories in it is that like there's been a huge increase in rates of, I don't know if you call it rates, but in people coming out as trans or transitioning from male to female, female to male. And I think part of that is obviously knowing that you can, that that's an option, it being less taboo. Obviously there's still a lot of work to do there, but like it's more of an open thing. But one theory is that a lot of people are actually gay, but are so exposed to like heteronormative like relationships that they don't even really consider that they could be gay so they just think oh I actually maybe just want to be a man with a woman as opposed to a woman with a woman which is interesting and I guess that merges as well like your sexuality and your gender and how you feel and then I was thinking about this a bit more and I think that there is a distinct line between feeling like you're in the wrong body and yeah just fancying girls but I thought that was quite interesting because it did make me think that at a very young age, I might have felt like that. Like, I might have felt like, actually, I think I just want to be a boy. Definitely don't now. But because I didn't really know that two girls could be together. Although I had a gay childminder growing up, so maybe that's not true. But But also, actually, (laughs) to that that point, like, I didn't know she was gay. I just thought she lived with a woman. So best friends. <laughs> I just thought they were really good friends, like you know. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with you because I also when I was small, like I wanted to be a boy and I didn't want to wear Turns dresses. Turns out, or... just gay. Yeah, well, I also wanted mom to call me a good boy, and <laughs> I think that's because yeah, and I was like, mommy, I'm a good boy, not a good girl, and I think that's because. In my tiny little mind, I'd I'd seen the boys have more fun and play things that I thought were more fun to me, um, and also seemed to be care- more carefree. Like they didn't have to wear like silly, fluffy, flouncy dresses. And I think that's that's what it is. You're right. Like it's like ha- it kind of rejecting that like gender that you don't really want to identify with, but at the same time, like. It's completely separate from your sexuality, isn't it? I think it is, but I think it gets like blurred. Mm-hmm. And and I was the same. Mm-hmm. Like I just wanted to run around and like do more fun stuff, and it looked like boys generally did more fun stuff. Yeah. But then I guess I was lucky that my well, mom was like, "Girls can do whatever they want as well." <laughs> I was like, "Oh yeah." You're totally right. You're totally right. So I think like what needs to change is like the the parenting of of girls and and not putting them in boxes and like letting them get dirty and do things that are quote unquote like boy type activities masculine activities but that I I think that that is going out the window but what what did the book say about like the problem with gender going out the window I think there were were loads of cases but I think they were talking about things like I mean they're quite extreme cases like jail is a problem like if you have a female jail, if you go to female jail, but actually you're a man, potential problems there. And then obviously the sport problem as well. The what problem? Sport. Like if it's sport, fair right, to okay. compete. Or if it's fair, if it's safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> That's a big discussion that I was not ready for this morning. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, what else are we going to discuss? On. Um, 
You were going to tell us about something that happened this morning. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I bumped into someone who I used to know this morning. And every time I see her, I feel really weird. And I never really know why. Like, I feel quite uncomfortable. And I feel a little bit weird for the rest of the day. And I think I've put my finger on it. And I think maybe a lot of people have this from maybe people they knew at certain times of their life or at school or whenever they were working at a certain place. And it just reminds me of a time in my life where I didn't really like who I was. And I'm not particularly proud okay. of like how I acted in certain situations. And I get like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like I've noticed that's what it, I don't really know what to do with that information now, but I found it quite interesting that actually that's, and this is a good example of like leaning into your triggers instead of being like, oh, she kind of triggers me. Like she makes me feel a bit weird. I'm just going to back away from it. Actually, I mean, I am going to back away from it anyway, but actually asking yourself like, why is that? Like, what is it that it's making me feel? Or what is it about me that's making me feel like that? And it's usually like, it comes from you, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So um, yeah, I think it's because like who you are right now is absolutely a product of all the hard work that you've put in. And especially in this last year, like we've talked about it, you've had, you've been to therapy and you've really, really like enjoyed the outcomes of that. And it's just so, it's like diminishing all that hard work that you've done when someone's like, oh yeah, I remember what you were like. And oh, you were such, you were such a, like a this or that. And you're like, no, that's not me anymore. I've totally changed. Like stop putting me in that box. But I, I think but a like, lot of people will find this with like other people want to bring them back to how they knew yeah. them. And often this happens with if you've had like a big life transformation in terms of losing a load of weight or mm. and then something like that. And then you meet up with your mates at uni who you used to always just drink with or you used to always overeat with. And you were always like the quote unquote fat one or the one that took it too far on a night out. And they're yeah. like, oh, yeah, that's you. Like, that's you. that y- You do that. Like, that's your thing or whatever. And they still have this vision of you, which isn't you anymore. And it can be quite mm. hard to be like, that's not me anymore. It's so hard. Yeah, there was someone in Commit to Six who was saying that they are the person that in their friends group that always gets really drunk. And I, I actually don't know if that person was ready to let go of that because they were like, right, this weekend that's coming up, I've got this whatever event. And like, what do I do? And I think they need to be ready to let go of that identity because like we were like, right, you don't need to actually get really, really drunk. You can you can still have a few drinks and, and enjoy yourself. And they were like, but my friends see me as that person. It's almost like there's a pressure to live up to that. Like maybe they're the, th- they're the one that's like super fun and does all the crazy stuff when they're out. But you can absolutely still be that person without the extreme amount of alcohol yeah absolutely and And also you you're allowed to change and you're allowed to grow and you're allowed to be like that doesn't that doesn't bring me joy anymore and realistically there's two things here like if that is why your friends are friends with you they're not real friends and what you'll probably find is that isn't why they're friends with you but you have this expectation that that is why they're friends with you and this is quite interesting actually because i was talking to emil about the traits in ourselves that we think other people like us for and how you can like test that by kind of taking it away and I find that oh. really interesting so have you tried that not really like an example would be if your whole identifier is <clears throat> if your whole identity is based around for example being a coach or being known as like ESG fitness or whatever 
going into a group and then not saying what you do or making up a job or like sort of creating a different perspe- uh, persona and seeing how people react to that. Like, I guess that's one example of, of doing that. Or he was talking about how getting out of shape made him realize that actually he didn't need to be in shape, you know, and maybe that like people who put <clears throat> maybe too much self-worth on the way they look actually going into a situation where either the way they look doesn't matter or like getting out of shape for example not having abs anymore mm. and actually being like oh it's actually fine no one really cares it was more my perception that other people would care about that that was the problem and I think the same is true with like go out and don't get absolutely wasted and don't be the one that's ridiculously drunk and everyone's laughing at and see that you still have a good time and no one dislikes you for not doing that mm-hmm. yeah you're so right I um, recently made a new bunch of friends. Like I did this NCT course. It's like um, basically you pay for friends. <laughs> what? It's like, a, yeah, no. It's like an antenatal class, but it costs and you're essentially just paying for friends. So there's like eight couples and they all have babies around the same time. And what is so nice about it is that you're literally all going in at the same level like no one knows each other and it is so nice just to like make a brand new set of friends and I intentionally like didn't really tell anyone that I worked in fitness and we don't really talk about our jobs to be honest like we just talk about yeah obviously we talk about our babies and stuff but we talk about loads of other stuff as well and it's just so nice to almost it's not creating a new identity but it's just like people getting to know you exactly who you are at that moment without like getting to know you through Instagram or getting to know you through like fitness or anything like that so it's just been so lovely I'm really grateful for it yeah this is exactly the point that's it like it's basically who are you without your labels who are you Mm. without being Dr so-and-so or without being a nurse or without being Mm. like even like I mean now part of your identity is being a mum as well like Mm. there are so Mm. many things but like asking yourself like who am I without all of these things that I think make up my identity interesting mm-hmm. very, um, someone very just commented saying i've been having the exact same conversation with my wife last night re-drinking so whilst i'm on commit six i'm reducing my intake to see to just see if people like me just the same and for health reasons obviously yeah and i think you'll find that they do or they're really shit friends basically absolutely and they actually might like you more <laughs> Because, like, you know, see when you're drunk, you might think that you are such a laugh. But some people might be thinking, oh, shut up. <laughs> yeah, or well, they're just laughing because they're like, oh, it's a bit much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I actually think quite a lot of the time that that um, people like you more when you drink less, honestly. Honestly, really and truly. Yep. So, yeah, I think you'll find that, yeah, people like you more. Should we answer some questions? Uh, yes. Do you know what? I went out yeah. in um in Liverpool last weekend. Obviously, the first time I've been out in, like, years. And I just remembered, like, how crap nights out are. Like, you can't, unless, this is partly why I think people get drunk, because you literally can't hear anyone. You can't have a good conversation anyway. And if you're not drunk, you're kind of just standing there doing nothing. Like there's no, there's not really any fun on a night out if you can't speak to anyone and you're not drunk. Like, it's just like, we're all here. And then I'm like, hey, I want to go home now. (laughs) Well, I know like, unless there's like 
an activity. The activity is drinking, isn't it? Yeah. Because you can't even really, like, you can't talk to each other. You sound so old, by the way, saying that. The music was too loud. It was too loud. Feet but... were so I just got to get a nice cup of tea. I'm owning it. It's me. It's who I am. It's part of my identity. Yeah. Granny. Um, okay, so let's ask Also, you know what I keep this thinking one... about from the start of this conversation? <laughs> was it Andy that cool. put that meme in the group that was like, <laughs> there was like two girls hugging and someone had commented underneath being like, say nice that they're friends and someone else was like, <laughs> they're gay, Julie. <laughs> That's a lesbian <laughs> couple. <laughs> yeah. Love Andy's okay, so memes. Right, okay, ladies. let's start questions. Only 16 um, minutes in. Good work. Can you change your body composition on main to non? Calories. She spelt that main to non. Um, or do you lose the fat? Or do you lose the fat, get where you want to be, then work back up to maintenance? Main to non calories. <laughs> main to non. I like that. Um, Me too. What was that? Can you lose muscle and build... Sorry, can you build muscle and lose fat on maintenance? Absolutely, yeah, that was a question, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, you can, absolutely. And most people, for most people, we would suggest that's what you do because what tends mm-hmm. to happen is, especially if you're not a bodybuilder, like you don't need to do this massive bulking phase and often you just get uncomfortably bigger and then you just want to diet again. And there's like a phase where yeah. you just feel uncomfortable in your body and there's really no need to be doing it. The reason that there's no need to be doing it is actually the calories that you can put towards building muscle are relatively low. Like the the rate at which you can build muscle is unfortunately really, really slow, which means that having more and more calories isn't going to speed that up. You've kind of saturated the benefit of having more calories with quite a small surplus. Like we're talking about probably 50 to 100 extra calories per day. So being at maintenance, but erring on the side of a surplus and just really pushing performance, making sure that your recovery is good, that your sleep's good. Mm. That's that's the best bet. If you were a bodybuilder, I might say, yeah, let's do a like a bulking phase. I mean, I would also say you're probably with the wrong coach, but that's that's besides the point. Like I can see it for some specific populations. The other thing I would say is if you're very lean, you need to, to put on a bit of body fat to then put on muscle so this isn't like there's no absolute rules to everything it kind of depends where you are but if you're in like a relatively healthy body fat range the last thing that you want to do after you've worked really hard to diet down to do that is to then be like I'm going to be in a surplus and I'm going to put on muscle because you might put on some muscle but you're certainly going to put on a lot of fat if you're in a big surplus trying to build muscle it cannot be utilized just to build muscle so yes I would sit around maintenance and like this is essentially what I'm going to do probably for the rest of my life is sit around maintenance, maybe err on the side of a surplus when I want to build muscle and then maybe cut back a little bit if I'm like, oh, I want to diet a little bit for a holiday or something. But that's the aim of maintenance is to get you to that place where you're essentially just making small tweaks. Like I might make a small tweak for two weeks and be like, oh, yeah, I've lost enough that now, you know, that like you don't have to go miles from your goal so that you have to go to this big dieting phase again it's just a little tweak in your diet for a couple of weeks oh great I'm in the shape I want to be in perfect Mm. yeah this is the difference between a good coach and a bad coach because my first ever coach 
put me on extremely low calories and I lost tons of body fat and I expected to look like Emma and I didn't. I just looked really skinny with a big head. And then <laughs> um, all these years later, I had Emma as my coach and we worked together for over a year and we were on, I was on pretty much main to non calories and my body completely changed. Like I went from just like a kind of normal looking person to looking really athletic. Um, and I, my weight didn't really change either, but I just had built muscle, I'd lost body fat um, and I was so much happier. So the thing is, it is, it is a lot slower um, because like, I think this was like a, a 12 week blast I did with this first coach. And I, I do remember like thinking, oh, I can't wait for my shoulders and my abs. And I was just really skinny and I was like, so disappointed. I was like, I want my money back. <laughs> do you but, think um, that like, that is often what happens when people like try and do a shred without having built any muscle beforehand mm-hmm. or not, not any, but like enough really. When you look at like really lean people, they've spent like years. I mean, I've been lifting weights for 10 years. They've spent years building muscle. So it's not just about, you know, when people say abs are made in the kitchen, I'm like, well, not really actually. Like, yes, I get your point. You'll need low body fat to have abs. And the best way to do that is probably by dieting. But if you just diet and you haven't lifted weights and you haven't built muscle mass, you will just look skinny like you won't look lean and I think that some people get to that phase of like just looking skinny and then they're like well I don't have abs yet so I clearly need to diet more and that's just a recipe for disaster because they're just getting leaner and lean well not leaner skinnier and skinnier but they think they're going to look leaner but they don't look leaner because they haven't spent the time to build the muscle yeah okay Laura managing takeaways in restaurants any specific items I should order above others? Um, so, yeah, that's a good question. I would say if you're in a restaurant, things that are, like, simpler, so, like, a piece of meat with vegetables, so, like, steak or chicken or a piece of fish, sounds really boring. Um, but that is going to be probably lower calorie than something like a pasta with loads of sauce on it. Um, same with a takeaway, like... I don't really get takeaways very often, but um, something like, is it called like, um, is it like tandoori or something? Oh, yeah. Chicken? Yeah, yeah. I think the so ones something... without like all of the, it's basically the curry that is the caloric bit. Whereas if you're just having mm-hmm. like spiced chicken effectively, it's going to be way yeah. less calories because there's way less oil in that. Yeah, but there's definitely like, was it, was it you that said, I can't remember, someone said that they do like a two out of four. So when they go out for dinner, the, the four options are drink, starter, main course, dessert. So they decide I'm going to have two out of those four before they go. And that I think is a really, really good idea. Was that you that said that? Yeah, no? I've spoken about that before. I think that is a good idea because it kind of yeah. saves you like almost half the calories and you don't, it's not unenjoyable to do that. I wouldn't say anyway. There's kind of two ways to look at this as well. If you're going out quite frequently, then yeah, exactly what Shona said. Like, look for things on the option uh, on the menu that are kind of basic that you can just estimate the calories of. That's going to make it much more diet friendly, so that you can stick to your diet, stick to your calories, stick to your protein target. But if you're like, oh, this is that you know, I only go out once a month. 
have whatever on the menu you want to enjoy like don't go for like the chicken dry chicken salad because you think it's going to be lowest calories go out and enjoy a meal like we want you to enjoy a meal the whole point in the way that we coach and our whole ethos around coaching isn't for this to be a restrictive six weeks that you're not going to be able to maintain the whole point is that Mm -hmm. you enjoy the process and actually as much as you might lose slightly more weight in six weeks if you don't enjoy yourself for six weeks you don't go to social occasions you stick rigidly to a very specific diet that isn't going to be maintainable and you've probably done that before and if you just take a step back and be a bit self-reflective you can be like yeah I have taken that approach before and what happens after that you inevitably put the weight back on so that's why we want this to be different we want you to go and enjoy yourself and of course there will be compromises realistically you can't go out every single night and eat whatever you want for dinner and still stick to your calories it's going to be ridiculously hard to do but can you do that a couple of times a month yes absolutely and can you find that balance yes absolutely why were you laughing uh because i just got a meme (laughs) all right from who it's so good it's um it's jedward you know jedward yeah 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 it says the two vaccines joining forces twinning is winning (laughs) <laughs> I like that yeah like that it's wholesome yeah no I totally agree um I mean we're all about our puck yeses if you're like the sort of person who is um has a job that involves them going out for dinner loads lucky you but yeah that's gonna be you're gonna be the sort of person that's gonna be making the healthy choices but if you're also the the sort of person who's like maybe goes out once a fortnight or once a month then don't be don't be feeling that you have to are you what are you laughing at now <laughs> i just got a meme as well it's not even that funny it says can anyone ask jordan sparks if she's found out how to breathe with no air yet <laughs> you know that song tell me how i'm supposed to breathe with no air no right well you won't get the joke then <laughs> Okay, <clears throat> enough memes. I just, I'm just so grateful for memes every single day. Me too. Like, that's, like, high up on my daily gratitudes. Yeah. Memes. I love memes. And I love the people that put a lot of effort into making memes. And I love Love of Huns. Love of Huns is just the best, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, if you're not following Love of Huns, they now sponsor the podcast. No, they don't. But I would just recommend... Part of your, I mean, so much of what we do is like trying to make people feel good. And I think that that's just an addition to your life that is just going to make you feel good. And I think if we could all just laugh a little bit more and just take things a little bit less seriously and have perspective and Absolutely. be like, yeah, this is shit right now. But do you know what? There's still funny stuff going on and I'm sure one day I'll be able to laugh at it. Do it's really annoying though. See when I scroll down, get a, see a really funny love of Huns and then I go to send it to you and you've already liked it. I'm like, oh, God damn it. Already been there. Right. Okay. Next question. Um, from Laura again. Um, if you're going out, can you see a theme? I'm off to Centre Parks next week. Is it better to concentrate on calories and forgo veg protein? I'm already planning on eating two small meals in the day, so I'm not famished by dinner as per advice on here. Everyone and their granny has gone to centre parks. Well, it's because you can't go abroad easily. Like, you need, like, however many tests and double vaccines and... Centre parks is where it's at. 
They're going to be raking yeah. it in. Butlins. They really are. Um, right, so is it better to concentrate on calories and forego veg protein? What? I think she means, like, obviously she has a calorie target, a protein target, and a, and a veg target. Is it best uh-huh. to focus on the bigger picture of calories? And I guess for a short period of time, and, like, if fat loss is your primary goal, that's the fundamental for fat loss is energy balance. So, yeah, stick to your calories. You'll find it much easier to stick to your calories if you can still try and prioritize some protein and get in enough veg. And I think, isn't Center Parks, like, basically self-catered most of the time? Like, you'll be going out for meals, but... Yeah, I think it is, yeah. yeah. You can bring some veg with you. Bring some protein. <laughs> in, our, in our cool bag. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, what's yeah. all this stuff? Oh, it's just... <laughs> It's just a load of veg, actually. <laughs> it's just, I've just been to the butcher. This is my bag of meat. <laughs> Do you remember those six-pack bags that had, like, Tupperware in and you could have, like, a tower of Tupperware? Yes. And I, I worked with so many PTs that were so proud of those bloody bags. And they'd put them up on the, the staff room table and it would take up all the room. But then they'd also need a bag for their stuff as well. So they need a bag for their food and all their Tupperwares and then a bag for their stuff. Mm. Yeah. Okay, wait. Laura's just commented saying, my sister has booked a restaurant every night. Okay, great. This is absolutely fine. Essentially what you need to do is, or what would be good to do, you don't need to do anything. This is just my advice. But have a set breakfast and lunch or relatively set and make sure you're getting in enough protein in there. And, you know, like whatever you're having, maybe it's a protein yogurt for breakfast with some fruit. Maybe lunch is quite light. Maybe you have some kind of salad with a lean protein sauce. And then you've got a pretty big amount of flexibility for dinner because that's not really that many calories. So I would Mm -hmm. just try and be quite light during the day. You're probably going to be out doing fun center park things like cycling around, like going on those little rowing boats. uh, I'm just looking at the center park's website. Of course you are. There is so much to do adventure golf aerial adventure an outing with owls an outing with owls and i i am obsessed with owls i love owls so much um and yeah you can you can like have an outing with them you can do okay laura if you could get a selfie with the owl for shona what if you laura's got to get a selfie with the owl for you thank you okay um, okay, next question from Tom. Oh, I'm in the EIQ thread. Wrong thread. <laughs> there we go. Right thread. Uh, okay, Tom wants to know about enriching his life. Uh, not one, this one might sound a bit silly, but one of my goals at the moment is to live a more rich and varied life outside of work. But I find it oddly difficult trying to work out what to do with my time, and I feel a bit um, uncreative in that regard. I often end up going back to the same old things I enjoy until I've done them to death. How do you make sure that your activities, hobbies, fun time is more varied? And then I suggested that he picks up a new hobby and I I said I could see him getting into knitting and crochet like Tom Daly. But then he laughed at that, so I'm not sure if he took that very seriously. But that was a serious suggestion, so... Yeah, I think it's just about trying loads of things and which thing brings you joy. And also what maybe question what you're trying to get out of it as well. Like, are you trying to meet new people, meet new interesting people? Because if you're doing knitting at home, 
you might not meet very many interesting people doing that but if there's a knitting group that you could go to or like a cookery class that you could go to or for Jonah paying for friends who also have kids like something like that or maybe like a sports group or do you know what a lot of um I don't know if it was Hannah that actually started this but Sarah's also climbing and anyway a lot of people in the commit six group have started climbing could be one to try sounds fun yep there's lots of different types of climbing as well did you watch the climbing in the olympics i did, did you not speed climbing you know the one where they climb up the wall really really fast like a little spider yep yeah uh-huh so i think like as long as it's um as you're doing it so that you have like a more rich and varied life rather than just being like this is another thing that I have to do to add to my list of things to do. Um, because like sometimes uh, like there's such a pressure to be productive all the time um, rather than just like doing things purely for the joy of it. So yeah, yeah, I found that even, I mean, shock by me, but even like scheduling in rest time has now become part of like my tick off box of things. <laughs> like, have I been productive? Yes, I've done tick, tick, tick. Like I've rest with this time. I took this time off work and it has become like a tick off thing. So, you know, if you're putting it in like must do something to enrich my life this week. I don't know if that's maybe like it might be useful initially to make sure that you're we're kind of forcing yourself to try different things and then see what you actually enjoy but yeah a lot of these things do kind of come naturally or even like speak to your friends like what do you do that's like different or that you enjoy I'm trying to think like what some of my friends do that's different I don't actually really know (laughs) like that's like out well I'm not like I can't really think of any of my mates that are like oh yeah I actually go to a cooking class every week I mean, mm-hmm. some of them do. I think a cooking class is quite a good one, actually. Yeah, it's good. The only thing is, like, so I was having this discussion with one of my friends, um, and I, he was like, I want to do something outside, because obviously he's, like, a, a coach as well, um, and he's really like you in that, like, he is, he loves his um, schedule app. Like, see if his, his phone ever died, he would just be lost because he's, like, his day is planned out hour by hour. Um, and he was like, I feel the need to do something else in the evenings. And I was like, right, okay. And I was giving him suggestions and he was like, no, because I don't see how that would help me. And I'm like, doing anything that you enjoy is going to help you. Um, and he was like, I want to do something that's like movement based that keeps me moving, but also isn't like going to affect my training. I'm like, just do something that makes you smile and makes you happy. Yeah, and I agree. And I think the problem is it's hard to know what that is. And then when you're so geared towards like, "Mm, what do I get out of this? Or will this like benefit me in another way? Or will like, uh, yeah, you can kind of get caught up in that. Like still, it still just becomes productivity. Or like, yeah, I think like if it makes you a more interesting person, it gives you something else to bring to the table in conversations other than just like, let's talk about training and fitness and things like that then yeah that's that's probably the way to go like I find that if someone only works in fitness and that's all they do I find them quite boring to be completely honest thanks Shana but it's, <laughs> what thanks, thanks Shana thanks. the thing is you are not boring because you have lots of other things to bring to the table and talk about don't you name one 
Um... <laughs> right, so let's <laughs> move on. <laughs> let's move on. Uh, okay, next question. Um... I'm struggling to find a sweet spot of working hard, getting steps in and still having the energy to do normal daily things. I've really been enjoying the workouts and initially I felt so energized. Then after the weekend of pushing hard at the gym, I felt a bit broken since Monday. My sleep's been really bad. I can usually get sleep okay, but wake up around two. Um, I'm still within calories. It's not affecting my nutrition, but it's messing with my head. Oh God, there's just so much in this question. I know sleep's so important for recovery, so that makes me more anxious. I'm finding the workouts and steps more of a chore than a joy. Um, I hope you know what I mean. For example, I was close to tears after my workout Tuesday morning. Oh, Amy! Right, okay. Let's just take a breath. <laughs> Let's unpack. This, Let's do unpack. you know what? I complete When she says, like, do you, I hope you know what I mean. Yeah, completely. And totally. this, this yeah. is going to seem really simple, but everything is harder when you're tired like you don't need to overcomplicate this it's not something wrong with the workouts it's not something wrong with what you're doing it's not your nutrition it's simply that you're not sleeping like that's the most obvious answer and that's the right answer here like Mm. it makes everything harder it makes you more emotional it makes you ridiculously tired makes it harder to stick to your diet there's just so many impacts so what you need to do and unfortunately this isn't like an easy thing like I wish it was as easy as just just sleep more but if you find that you're waking up what is it that's making you wake up can you see any patterns there and that's what you need to figure out really like I it could be like simple things like are you too hot in bed do you need to get a fan in your room are you worried about something I find like writing a list before bed is really useful because sometimes I'll wake up and think oh my god I forgot to do this I'm like right well it's written on the list so in the morning I'll remember to do it and then you can kind of just forget about it till the next day it's written down it will get done so depending on what's stopping you sleeping, that's that's really the solution to this, I think. Mm-hmm. It might be that she needs to like rejig the skid, like our schedule, because sometimes see if you do like a really strenuous workout last thing at night, I find it really hard to sleep. Um, also, still like, pumped. Sort of person who really, what's that? Still pumped after the workout. <laughs> I just like this. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel the need to tell everyone about my amazing workout instead of sleeping. You're like, Paul, Paul, um, what's my triceps oh, look like right oh, now? Oh, look at that. Paul. So, so vascular. Oh my God, Paul. <laughs> um, also, like, I'm the sort of person that likes to have all my calories at the end, not all my calories, but quite a lot of calories at the end of the day. But I also need to be careful with that because if I eat too late, I can get to sleep, but then I do wake up, um, especially if you're eating something like dark chocolate or chocolate because it's got caffeine in it. Like you get to sleep, but then you wake up. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be really hard for us to diagnose why you're waking up in the middle of the night. But as Emma says, like you're you're so feeling so overwhelmed right now and it's really just because of your lack of sleep. Also, can we just give a shout out to Cormac here, who has been asleep? Is he asleep? No, he's not asleep. He's it's been absolutely silent there. for 40 minutes. Luke. Oh, he's, he's lying just there so happy. Just really happy. Aww. That's what I mean. I don't know what I've done 
to deserve this angel child. I w- I'm just going to warn you, although I don't think this will happen with you, but my parents used to call me Emma Angel because for the first six months I like didn't cry. And then after that, I think I made up for that. <laughs> I know, but look at you now. I would be so happy if Cormac Stop. turned out like you. Stop. Yeah. I mean, I was mega premature, so I think I was just like trying to. I probably couldn't actually cry because was just trying to stay alive. You were just so tiny. You were so tiny and weak. How premature were you? Um, I I think like seven weeks. So maybe not like ridiculously, but I was very small. Oh, cute little Emma. Um, right. Okay, shall I answer another question? Yeah. yeah, like shout out to Cormac. He's awesome. I have birthed an amazing child. Okay, next question. Um, interested to hear your thoughts on the book Why We Eat Too Much by Dr. Andrew Jenkinson. Have you read it? No. So this isn't going to be a great answer. <laughs> Sorry, we'll just Sorry. pause the podcast. We'll nip away, read the book, <laughs> and we'll come back. We'll be back in two weeks because that's how long it takes me to read anything. Okay, moving on. Sorry, I will look at uh, synopsis and and see what his key points were. Oh, should we look it up now? What was it called? Why We Eat Too Much. Why We Eat Too Much. Dr. Atkinson. Right, okay. (laughs) I'm just on uh, Amazon. I'm just buying it. I'm not. Um, <laughs> well, he's got a website. The current epidemic of obesity and diet-related disease is a legacy of catastrophic public health advice based on flimsy science. Dr. Jenkinson takes down this failed paradigm and replaces it with sensible, workable advice that reflects the sanity of new wave nutrition thinking. Articulate Stop eating here. carbs. Sure to read. <laughs> It'll be something like that, won't it? Hopefully it's actually good. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, well, I feel like this isn't a great use of podcast time. Maybe we... <laughs> although, actually, the premise of this book is that although most people eat too many calories, only some people become obese. It explains how changes in modern environment have misinterpreted or can be misinterpreted by the body as signs of impending famine or harsh uh, winter. The natural response to this is weight gain. These signals, which include excessive omega-6, high insulin and high cortisol levels, when combined with previous low-calorie dieting, cause intractable obesity. By eliminating these famine signals, we can take back control of our weight whilst enjoying healthy and tasty food. Mm. it sounds a little bit like to me like he's disputing energy balance which to me is a big no um and this is the thing a lot of these things like aren't inherently wrong and he's right like some people become obese in our environment and other people don't but that's because some people eat more and move less and other people don't respond in that way it still comes back to energy balance. Like there's no disputing that. And anyone who knows anything about nutrition and is credible will agree with that. There are various reasons why that might be happening. 
And it is really interesting to see that some people put on weight in our environment and other people don't. And there's a huge element of genetics involved in that and your genetic predisposition. to. But it's not that your genetic predisposition means that you store calories that you haven't consumed. That isn't what happens. So I'm, I haven't obviously read the book, but that would that's what I think his, he might be angling at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it clearly explains why diets will crash and then yo-yo explains why people when they are fat. It explains why people, including me, hit weight loss plateau. I'm just reading one of the reviews. Right, okay. Uh, interesting. Yeah, um, so okay. actually, Beck has just commented saying, I read it ages ago and I seem to remember he speaks a lot about leptin and why some people have a high drive to eat. It was ages ago, though, so I could be wrong. Yeah, and like leptin does have an impact, but way less than what people think. Uh, and I think a lot of the time people use extremes. So someone who is leptin deficient, which is a condition that can happen, which means that you have this insatiable drive to eat. But you would know about that by the age of two, I would suggest. Like, people with this condition, there's loads of research around it. Like, they try and eat chairs and things. Like, there's this drive to eat, which is, it's not just eating a little bit too much. It's, you would know from a very young age, like, children become obese before the age of five if they're leptin deficient. But I think sometimes that is, like, taken out of context. You're like, yeah, well, you know, if you've got a little bit less leptin, then the same would happen. No, not not the same. All right. Um, Ruth, if I'm going for a run, should I count those steps towards my step goal? Yes, Ruth, you should. <laughs> Question answered. Well done, Shana. Moving on. You're welcome. Um, yeah, your steps that you do for a run are not any different from your overall 12k step goal. And if don't feel that you have to do additional steps on top of those on top of your run because that sounds like too much if you are running a lot as well um okay please could you discuss eating nutritious food versus eating what you want as long as staying in calories i have a really sweet tooth so over the last two years have been trying to stay within a calorie deficit while still eating a lot all the sugary things i like to the detriment of a healthy balanced diet but figured as long as I'm in a deficit, that's the most important thing. I'm aware that this diet may contribute to my binge restrict cycle and obsession for sugar that I can't get out of it and can't get out of. So wondered if there's any evidence science to help me change my habits, understand how sugar impacts the brain wanting more sugar and prioritize a more balanced diet rather than just trying to stay low calorie whilst eating crap. Um, do you know, I think like, so she said it was a, few years ago I think that that's like do you remember like if it fits your macros I feel like that's responsible for that attitude it was like you can eat whatever you like as long as you stay within your your calorie deficit and everything's peachy um, yeah and then although you can I think go, like, that we still preach that a little bit with flexible dieting and I, yeah. it's hard because yeah. a message that's really useful to one person is really detrimental to someone else so yeah. that message to a lot of people who have been like clean eating for ages or who are scared of carbs or who have massively restricted their diet the message that actually you know if you stay within your calories you're not going to put on weight if you eat some carbs or you're not going to put on fat mm-hmm. if you eat some carbs that's so helpful and that can change like that can that 
knowledge can literally change someone's life. Like if you've been scared of eating carbs forever. So it's such an important message, but when it's taken too far, as in all that matters are calories, then yeah, you're, I mean, in some ways you're right for fat loss, literally all that matters is calories. But if not only do you want to lose fat, but you want to feel good, you want to have a healthy body, you want to build some muscle, you want to perform well, you want to have a concentration span, like all of those things, if those are important to you as well, which they should be, then what you eat also matters and you'll find it way easier to stick to your diet if you're not trying to cram in loads of highly palatable and highly caloric foods within your calories. Like the whole... 80% 80% sort of whole foods, 20% a bit of what you like is actually quite a good sort of measure to go off. So you've got that balance, which is probably what you should be aiming for. The other thing I'll say is that, I mean, first of all, stop telling yourself that you're addicted to sugar or that you, you know, you can't possibly not have sugar. If you look for research around being addicted to sugar, if you start Googling that, it will tell you that you're you're addicted to sugar and there's no way you can come off it. That That isn't the case. These brain regions light up when anything pleasurable happens. So it's the same as saying you're addicted to seeing puppies because your this brain region lights up when you see a cute puppy. It's just like poorly misinterpreted science. So don't don't sort of tell yourself because that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy of being addicted to sugar. But what you might find is that if you reduce the amount of sugar that you eat, your taste becomes a little bit more sensitive to less highly palatable foods. So if you're constantly eating really highly palatable foods with loads of sugar in, loads of fat in that are really, really tasty, then no wonder like vegetables don't taste like anything to you. And actually some of that is like relearning your, like giving your taste buds a chance to sort of relearn in that sense. And there's quite interesting research around how much body fat you have, how much inflammation you have and how many taste buds you have. And actually, as you become leaner and have less circulating inflammation from excess body fat, you find that food tastes nicer, like less palatable food will have a higher taste to it. And one of the reasons that people think that people overeat and become obese, and then that's quite a, it's much easier to then put on more and more and more weight when you are obese is that you're not you don't get that same reward from the same taste like what might you what used to my what used to might what might have previously made you feel really satiated and like oh yeah I've had that sweet taste I've had that kick now I can move on with my day you might need like three chocolate bars to get that now instead of one and you can sort of relearn that and this is what's quite hard and it comes back to like the leptin thing as well like once you are overweight or once you are carrying a lot of body fat it's very easy to stay there partly because you've got very high levels of leptin and when you have very high levels of leptin you become less sensitive to leptin what's known as leptin resistance which means that despite having loads of energy your brain's like we can't really see any energy here like we've always seen this level of leptin so we don't see that as a marker to turn down hunger levels which means that even though you have a lot of stored energy you're still driven to eat which makes it really freaking hard for someone who's very overweight to to lose weight and I get like the only way is through unfortunately the only way to resensitize yourself to leptin is to lose some body fat so if you're in that position like the good news is you won't always be that hungry but the Mm. bad news or not the bad news but the tougher news is you need to work through that and it will get better 
but it might be quite hard to do initially and you might find that you are quite hungry initially even though it seems like you're not in that much of a deficit even though you do have a lot of energy there and the same kind of thing happens with taste so you might find that at the moment you're like yeah i sometimes eat veg but it tastes like nothing to me or it's really bland and i get like no enjoyment from it as you start to get a little bit leaner as you start to lose the excess body fat and that inflammation reduces what you may find is that these things become much more tasty to you and i think most people have probably noticed that when they've been lean and a part of this is probably because if you've ever been very lean you were very hungry anyway so you're like oh my god broccoli tastes incredible now and it's like no you're just freaking starving and literally anything i give you would taste incredible but i think part of it is that sensitivity in your taste buds and you're kind of if you're exposing yourself to really highly palatable foods all the time it's not surprising to me that fruit doesn't really taste that sweet to you anymore did that answer the question not really what's that what was the question no i think you you have answered that really well but what i was going to say as well is just like reading between the lines of this question this person like is going is wanting to go from one extreme to the other like she's saying that she is like calories are king and she's kind of like been eating only what she enjoys and it's almost like she wants us to tell her that sugar's really bad for her and then she'll go to the other end of the spectrum and I wonder if you're just like what you maybe need to work on is your mindset towards foods and also try not to be perfect because it looks like if we were like okay sugar's really bad and you're addicted to sugar and that's the issue so you need to go cold turkey then that's just like another sort of perfectionist mindset rather than as you say prioritize a more balanced diet do you know what I mean? I'm sorry. I've started to get some some crying from going know, we jinxed it. To, like, We'll make this the last question and we'll come back and finish yeah. the rest. But yeah, I think I yeah. think that's such a brilliant point is that you yeah, you're still aiming for these extremes, you're still aiming for perfection and I can see why because actually it's it's kind of far easier to do that. Like it's far easier. It's actually yeah. much easier to say no, I'm not going to have anything that I like. I'm not going to have any sugar than it is to say I'm going to have one biscuit, I'm going to enjoy it and then I'm going to stop. Like it is much easier to say no. Like if someone's like, "Do you want a cup? Would you want a biscuit with that cup of tea?" It's easier to say no than to say, "Yeah, I'll just have one and then I'll stop." It's so much yeah. easier to do that. But that balance is where you find, like, that's the sweet spot of dieting, and it's hard to do, but you can get there. But it does take, like, it does take some work, and it takes also celebrating those little things that you might think are silly, like celebrating the fact that you have a whole packet of biscuits in your cupboard and you've had them there for a week and you've had three. Mm -hmm. That's like, I know it seems silly to celebrate that, but you need to start celebrating that. That's a huge win. And it's such a important marker for us as coaches to be like, yes, this is it. This is long-term results for you. This isn't, oh, I'm just restricting myself. I'm not having anything that I like in the house. So if I want anything, I have to walk, walk five miles to go and get it from Tesco or something. It's not like, creating a completely new environment it's enabling you to live in your current environment and get the results that you want and maintain them yeah okay right that was lovely i'll let you go Thanks. oh hey bye everyone bye oh <laughs> if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast and you need a little bit more support towards your health and fitness goals head over to esgfitness.co.uk or 
if you just want to have a chat with me, shoot me a message on Instagram at ESGFitness. And finally, if you have enjoyed the podcast, please rate and review and please give me a tag on Instagram because I love seeing that people are listening. Thank you.